and welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. My name is Zach Falconer Barfield, 1PG, the founder of the Perfect Gentleman. And alongside me is the charming and handsome James Marwood. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Zach. All the better for getting that introduction. As I said, I'm going to try and do a different one each week. By week 50, I'll be exhausting the thesaurus. <laughs> but at the moment, it's feeding my ego. It's really good. How's your week been, Zach? Have you been well? I have been well. Weirdly, got a cold and then side effects of that, my asthma. But apart from that, summer cold the end of summer it's probably my body going please don't go summer that kind of thing but apart from that it's been a good week it's been a productive week it's magazine week so uh, it's always a bit of a challenge this week it's getting it out and getting all the stuff together so this month we're back to school back to work so over the course of the next four weeks in the podcast it'll be all all back to work back to school stuff splendid what have we got first of all are we going to talk about some news we have some news um, and as i am mourning the end of summer i read an article about the rebirth or the the comeback of the hawaiian shirt oh, i like hawaiian shirts i know i probably shouldn't but i do they're just so fun i love them i think they're brilliant i'm a big fan of them i'm very glad they're back so i can dust them out of my wardrobe again yes <laughs> it was a bit of fun but they've come a bit of a resurgence i think people are realizing that they're actually quite stylish items uh, first came around actually in 1904 japanese immigrant Miyamoto. He was an artist and he designed the uh, first Hawaiian or Aloha shirts and they've become a sort of staple from Hawaii across the world ever since and I think they're quite cool. I own, I probably own about seven of them. There was a Hawaiian shirt manufacturer called Mambo at one point in time. I remember Mambo. I have a couple of their shirts in the wardrobe. They're they're worth a lot of money. Really? Yeah, they're they're actually collector's items. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I've got three of those myself. Excellent. It's funny you bring this up because there was an article on Put This On back at the end of June, by Derek, one of the writers there, one of my favourite writers on, on menswear, actually. And he was talking about Hawaiian shirts. I think there was an earlier article where they'd been talking about crazy expensive ones from, like, Saint Laurent, Prada, Gucci, guys like that, who were sort of $200 plus for a Hawaiian shirt. But what they pointed out, which was really nice, is the vintage ones, which are out there. And I've seen some lovely ones in vintage rail. Nice. Now, yeah, now, now I normally don't like synthetic fabrics, but I've got a couple of pocket squares, I think from put this on, in this vintage Japanese rayon, and it's a lovely, lovely cloth. It's plant-based, so it feels a little bit like silk, but it takes really, really vivid print and doesn't fade. So I think they're great. But one of the things that Derek suggested was a Hawaiian company called Two Palms. Okay. Um, which are a direct sales i think they they manufacture themselves and they make them in hawaii which is cool because that gives it some authenticity and they're they're around 50 dollars a shirt which is is fair they look like an option i don't have any hawaiian shirts in my wardrobe not any ones that i would wear i've got some old ones i think i might need to look into that because they are fun oh they are great fun i would certainly get a couple i shall have to look at two palms maybe we can uh, do a little review of two palms in the future Yes, that would be great. And they do have those rayon ones, which I like the look of. Hawaiian shirts for next summer. Get them now and get them ready for your next summer. The other thing about Hawaiian shirts, which is really quite good, is they fit most body types. They do. Because holiday wear doesn't need to be as fitted as office as smart wear, you can, you can be a little bit more relaxed with it. You don't have to worry quite so much about the fit. You want it to be a little bit looser and baggier. I'm going to have a little look at two palms later, I think, and see if I can order something. Why not? So what else has caught your eye, James? I think a couple of episodes back, we talked about G-Box. I think you brought it up. The G-Box and G-Man project, yes. That's right, yes. Where they were looking to create these packs for ladies who had stayed over 
apparently they've uh, pivoted. Ah. They're no longer focusing on gentlemen. They're offering it towards ladies. I don't exactly know why. I'd ordered one and I had a little refund notification a couple of days ago saying that that's what they've done. So, well, I hope whatever they do goes well for them. But it's are no longer aimed so much at chaps. Well, we wish them well, and that's the joy of entrepreneurship, pivoting. Yes, indeed. The thing that caught my eye, talking about women again, continually on that theme, a women's only tailor, Phoebe Gormley. She's 22 years old, and she started a uh, women's only tailoring business, a Gormley & Gamble, in Savile Row. I think she's one of the first ever women's only tailors on Savile Row. That's fantastic. And she's in premises share with our great friends Cad and Dandy, which is lovely. So we wish her all the best. Absolutely. Ladies tailoring is growing. You know, more and more ladies are recognising the benefits to having things made to fit and to suit you particularly. Um, but the fact that Savile Row can, can support a, a ladies only tailor, that's that's only be a good thing. Excellent. So what else has caught your eye, James? Well, one thing that excites me quite a bit, because it's two of my favourite brands, J. Crew. I think they're a bit more youth-oriented, but they're an American traditional menswear brand. And Drake's, who make the best ties and scarves and pocket squares and things like that. They're having a collaboration. Drake's do these collaborations every now and then. They've done them with a few brands. The stuff they're doing with Drake's, I think, looks really interesting. Interesting. It's the first time that Drake's will do any women's wear. One of the things I like about this is J. Crew's prices are normally pretty good, but Drake's has this wonderful catalogue of prints, especially in things like silk or cashmere, and they do the most fantastic patterns and colours, often in very traditional prints. And I've got dozens of Drake's ties. They're a weakness of mine. And seeing these come to a wider audience and through J. Crew, that'll be awesome. They're doing things like shirts, pyjama tops, scarves, etc., all in these patterns and colours, which I'm I'm looking forward to. No, I'm looking forward to that too. I have a couple of uh, uh, Drake's products, and they, as you say, they are beautiful. Actually, while we're on the subject of Drake's, one thing always to bear in mind if people are interested, it's always worth tracking down and visiting their factory shop in East London, just off Old Street, because they quite often have some bargains there. A budget gentleman tip there for you. Yes, indeed. Our wonderful partners, the Cravat Club, provide luxury silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares. Designed and handcrafted in England. So compliment your style with a touch of sartorial elegance with these 100% silk cravats, scarves and pocket squares, which are an ideal addition to evening or day wear for a sharp and refined look for the distinguished gentleman. Head on over to their website, www.cravat-club.com to grab yours now. Well, last but by no means least on our gentlemanly news section is something that caught my eye, which, of course, I know you'll approve of, James. Mm -hmm. There's an article in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology by a bunch of psychologists that says that good manners makes you more attractive. Well, we know. There's nothing more to say there, is there? There's not. We know this, but it's good to have some validation of it. I think it's not possible to dispute that, that if you are polite and well-mannered people like you better that's the whole point of it absolutely and what was the interesting bit it said it's actually even better for romance longer term relationships that good manners in a long-term relationship is actually better for you yes i would say that i think certainly my other half would agree it was interesting for me 
quite recently where we went out for dinner. Not a posh dinner, just to the local pub. And because I held out a chair and pushed it in and then helped her on with a coat at the end of the night, she got a little wink from the lady at the table next to us. It was a little bit older lady, but obviously who really liked that I'd done it and know that she'd liked it. So hopefully she'll make her husband do it. <laughs> we only could but hope. So yes, it's been proved. Good manners makes you more attractive. There we go. So the next uh, two sections are our back-to-school sections, but they're all about style. From the stylish gentleman sections, we're going to talk about starter suits and then bags for work. And I know that you and I have a rant to happen on this oh, one. So yes, yes. But let's start with suits then. Suits are really dependent very much on your budget. I've seen suits for £60 in Tesco. And obviously you can spend all the way up to the price of a nice family car in Savile Row or Paris. The first thing to work out is if this is a work suit... It needs to be able to be suitable for the office and suitable in a number of occasions. We'll start off with colour, first of all. And I think for your first suit, your second suit, you're really looking at two colours, navy and grey. I agree. Black suits are very common, but they tend to wear really quickly, especially if they're not made of quite expensive cloth. So they'll go shiny faster. Black is not a great colour for most people. It tends to wash us out. A navy suit or a grey suit is perfect my personal preference, I think navy is a little bit more stylish and a little bit more modern, but it's up to you. It also, a navy or a grey suit can do double duty for weddings, funerals, any other occasion that you might have. Whereas something like a light grey or a, or a light blue or a patterned suit is not always suitable for those. So your first suit, I would always say go for navy or grey. I completely concur. In terms of cut... We probably, for a first suit, we want something that can be worn in a number of different occasions. So we're looking at a single-breasted suit with two buttons, most likely. One button or three button suits are out there. Menswear does have fashion. Those fashion cycles tend to run in decades rather than seasons. But two buttons are, for most of us, that's going to be the right sort of look. A three button is a bit more old-fashioned. A one button is a bit overdone and fashion forward now so i wouldn't worry about those a simple two button single breasted jacket that's the way to go the point then comes how do you actually buy it and we've really got three choices for buying suits and they vary by price pretty much so the first is off the rack which is where you're buying a suit just pulling it off the rack in a store that's generally the cheapest although not always and the suit will be made to a fixed pattern that's been made to suit a, a broad number of body types it's not going to suit you perfectly then the next option is made to measure and that's where a, a pattern is adjusted for you and that's the sort of a lot of the online tailors or a lot of the ones where you're buying them in a retail store are doing this option and that's where you take some measurements and then a pattern is adjusted for you and that tends to be the middle range price wise and then the top end price wise is bespoke and true bespoke is where a pattern is made uniquely to you. And you'll often see these brown paper patterns hanging up in the tailor shops. And that's generally the best fit and the best quality, but correspondingly also the most expensive. So in terms of prices, a reasonable quality off the rack suit probably starts at around £200. A reasonable quality made-to-measure suit probably starts at around the five to £600 mark. And I've not seen a good quality bespoke suit for less than 900 at least a good thousand pounds 1200 pounds for a good bespoke suit if you hit sales and things like that then you can sometimes get it a bit cheaper and if you compromise on the cloth but generally speaking most suits and certainly all of my early suits i bought off the rack that's where most people buy them and there's nothing wrong with that 
especially if you're lucky enough to have a, a fairly standard body type. But there are some things to watch for when you do it. So I would normally budget around 10% of my total budget, 10 to 15% for alterations. Because any suit that you buy off the rack is going to need tweaking. If you go to, to some retailers, they'll be able to do it for you in-house. John Lewis do that. Slater's, who are a really good budget suit brand, big fan of Slater's, do that. Some of the larger M&S stores in the UK will do that. But if not, a decent alterations tail will be able to do the basics, which are adjust the sleeve length, adjust the trouser length. Please get the trouser length adjusted. There's nothing worse than when your trousers are pooling around your shoes. If you, so long as you make sure that the suit fits you across the shoulders, anything else can be relatively easily adjusted. If it's a little bit too long, a little bit too loose, if you want to get the waist nipped in or released out a little bit, that's all relatively straightforward for a competent alterations tailor. So when you're trying it on, you want to be looking across the line across your shoulders from the collar down to the small of your back and from shoulder to shoulder and you shouldn't see any wrinkling or any pulling or any bagginess. If you see those, that particular cut of suit is not right for you, go and try another one. If you're going to do an off the rack and you've got the shoulder, if shoulder is fitting correctly, I would always go for a slightly bigger size because you can always get it adjusted better than try and get a slimmer size, because then there's no material for the tailors, uh, the alteration tailors to work with. Especially with the lower priced off the rack suits, you tend not to have the little bit of overlap of cloth that you would get in more expensive ones to allow it to be let out. Now off the rack suits can shoot up right in range. If you look at brands like Palzoleri or Zegner, you can pay thousands for fantastic quality hand-worked suits there. By the time you're looking at spending that sort of money, you should know what you like and what works for you. But for your first suit, I almost always recommend people go to the big retailers who have good supply chains. So the likes of Marks and Spencers, John Lewis, Debenhams in the UK, J. Crew in the US, we talked about them earlier. They do great suits. Try to avoid anything which is too baggy, and especially where the armholes, the arm skies they're called, come halfway down your ribs. Nothing makes a suit look sloppier than that. It feels a little bit more comfortable at first, especially if you're not used to wearing suits, and it also fits a, a much broader spread of body types but it looks terrible it's quite a tricky job for a tailor to fix that because we're going to take the sleeve out tighten the arm scan then get the sleeve back in it's quite a big job to get altered so if you can go to one of the brands who does this quite well and M&S are, are really good at this now you can get a great suit in a good quality cloth that's going to be robust and last well and the alterations are going to be relatively straightforward so I would always say budget around 10 to 15% for those alterations. The next thing, which is, is one of the ways in which you can really make or break an outfit, especially a suit, by shoes. So budget a reasonable amount for a good pair of shoes. And if you have an extra 40, 50, 100 pounds to spend, I would probably spend those on shoes before I would on a suit. Because the difference between a, a 250 pound suit and a 350 pound suit is not so much. But the difference between a £50 pair of shoes and a £150 pair of shoes is fantastic. So budget enough for a good pair of shoes, get the shoe trees, get some polish, and a good pair of shoes like that will last you 
years. And also, it's one thing that people notice. They always do. People forget the shoes. And the amount of times I look at gentlemen in the street and they've got a lovely suit on, you drop your eyes to their shoes and they're scuffed or they're bad or they're ill-fitting or they're the wrong kind of shoe for the suit. Poor shoes can really just ruin a whole outfit. Men's shoes especially are, are badly made, glued together, cheap leather, and they're not cheap to buy. So if you're looking for good shoes, ideally with a Goodyear welt, if you can do get something that's been made in the UK or in Europe, there are some great Central European shoemakers. There are some great Southern European shoemakers. The Spanish have some, make some fantastic shoes. Focus on quality over showy style. Spend that little bit extra and then look after them. You know, I've got a pair of Smith shoes that I bought when I was 23. So that would be 16 years ago now, and they still get worn on a regular basis. I nearly cried when I bought them at the time because it was the first time I'd paid over £100 for a pair of shoes. and I paid £110 for them in a department store sale. They've been resold twice. They still get worn. I wear them for the office sometimes. They go great with jeans. They still look really good. They get polished about once a month, and they get resold when they need it. So sum it up, suit fit across the shoulders, don't go overboard. Don't go what uh, one of my tailors calls a Christmas tree suit, one with all the extra bits on it, in a sober grey or navy blue. Don't forget the shoes. Get the suit altered as it's needed and then wear it. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Nothing feels quite as good as stepping out in a good, well-fitting suit. Absolutely. And I would add two further gentleman hacks to, to your advice. One is always get a second pair of trousers. Yes, yes, absolutely. Trousers always go first. And also, if you're really good, and especially if you're getting a made-to-measure or a bespoke pair, but certainly a made-to-measure pair, you know, make the trousers slightly different. So make the cut of the trousers slightly different. If you're not used to wearing braces, maybe get braces on your trousers or just change the cut slightly differently because it will give you a different suit. Maybe have one with turnips, one without. If you are getting two pairs of trousers, one good bit of advice is to alternate wearing them. Yes. Don't let one pair hang in the wardrobe for a year or two and then put them on because the suit will change colour or fade slightly over time, especially if you've had it dry cleaned. And my second gentleman hack is, especially if you're buying an off-the-peg suit, get some great accessories. Spend a bit of money on zhuzhing up your suit with a great tie, a great pocket square, maybe a boutonniere, and you can spend a little bit of money on those and they will actually lift your suit beyond the price of your suit. I have a number of off-the-rack suits in my wardrobe. I get compliments on my style, not because of the suit, but because of the accessories that I wear. They don't need to be expensive. Some retailers do really good quality ties. I've got a tie from, from Next, which is just a really simple silk tie in a three-tone blue and white sort of tartan pattern. I get compliments on that all the time. And I bought that probably for about £10 in a sale when I was on a business trip and my trip was extended by a day and I just needed an extra tie. It's not about money, it's about making sure that you're having your right accessories and style. But we've talked in previous podcasts about style. We, we can rant about that for hours. So that's your starter suit stuff. If you want more information, a lovely friend, Lydia, has written an article about it in the Perfect Gentleman magazine, which is out this Friday. So please, on the 9th of September, have a look at our Back to School, Back to Work uh, magazine. And uh, Lydia's written some more details and both James and I's and Lydia's tips are in that article. Excellent. Born in the back shop of a Colombian leather craftsman, matured on the Pan-American highway, perfected on a pub's damp table in Savile Row, Monsieur London is the result of travel. 
It led its two creators from Anchorage to Oshaya on the 19,000 mile long journey. They ended up in London to settle the project born from a choice to lead a lifestyle with higher standards and expectations. A brand for the 21st century cosmopolitan man. As a result of this approach, the online retail shop MonsieurLondon.com was launched in October 2012. Since then, they have met many pop-up shops in Paris and London and opened with business partners La Gassionnière, a 250-square-metres men lifestyle concept store in Paris. Their brand offers elegant accessories made with traditional know-how for a fair price. They make their customers pay for the quality, not for the branding and marketing. Their French, Italian and English workshops fabricate outstanding products, created with their sense of traditional know-how and their passion for style. These accessories reflect the technical excellence of their makers. They offer bespoke options on many of their products, including gloves, bags and belts. Check them out at MissYourLondon.com. So yes, the rant time. <laughs> we do have occasional rants. As we're sort of going back to work, back to school, it's bags. Bags specifically for work. And my rant is about rucksacks. I think that they are awful for work. For purposes that they are supposed to be used for. Hiking, camping, going on traveling, excursions, going on holiday even. Perfectly suitable. But for work, just no. Now there are aesthetic reasons for it, which I... I will can rant about. Let's start with the very practical reason. It ruins your suit. No matter what you say, it will ruin your suit. Especially if you're wearing a backpack properly, which is on both shoulders and across, the backpack will rub the shoulders and the material of your suit. Not on the shoulders, but also across the back. And your suit will get ruined much faster. Absolutely. For me, it just drives me to distraction. I see these guys who are dressed in life suits and then they're wearing a rucksack which means that they spent you know a good few hundred pounds on a suit and then they're ruining it much more rapidly than they would normally do by trouncing around in a backpack i agree i must admit when i was younger and especially when i started working for some of the big consulting companies they tend to issue you with a backpack that goes along with your laptop and your charger etc and there is a practical reason for that. You know, if, when you're carrying weight, a backpack is the most efficient way to carry that weight. But it ruins your suit. It looks sloppy. And especially if you're traveling by train or by tube and you're stood up in crowds, backpacks are just obnoxious because you turn around and you knock into people and you don't even realize. For me, I much prefer a bag I carry in my hand. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of not briefcases. Briefcases are a little outdated, though I have to say I like briefcases personally. But I have a, a very nice bag. It's a very trendy crumpler bag, which is in leather. It looks a bit like a bowling bag, but it's got all the little pockets and accoutrement for it. And I use that as my preferred bag of choice. And I generally carry it in my hand. That's my go-to work bag. I have sort of three bags I tend to alternate between for work, one of which is a ridiculous expensive luxury that I bought myself with a bonus, which is a, a Smithson leather bag. I don't use that often because it is just for special occasions. My regular day-to-day -day bag is a very simple, soft brown leather, two-zip, sort of laptop-style bag from m and wasn't at all expensive, but it's really robust. It, it looks good. Because it's tan leather, it goes with a lot of different outfits. And I can hold a fair degree of weight in that. Sometimes I'm carrying two laptops, sometimes one, always lots of papers. And then when I'm in more casual offices or for Dress Down Friday, things like that, 
I have a canvas with leather edging bag that I bought, I think, from a market years ago. Canvas, like leather, is one of those materials that looks even better the older and more scuffed it gets. And this bag has survived flights. It was left in a shed for a few months when I was moving a lot and got a bit wet and damp. I love it because it just looks, it looks almost like something Indiana Jones might carry, but it's also smart enough to work for the office. Now, if you have to carry a lot of stuff, we appreciate that. We understand that. There are so many fabulous wheeled bags now. Yes, indeed. Which look much better than a backpack much more stylish and a lot of them you can either wheel or carry or there's a great set of bags um, for business travelers by gate eight they do fantastic wheeled bags and to me and all the other brands that do some great work business bags aspinalls of london um and aspinalls do fantastic things my other half's a big fan of theirs she's got quite a few of their bags they're great so you can get alternates to backpacks and gentlemen please stop wearing them that's what i ask yes Two votes. Double thumbs down for backpacks. On suits. On suits. That's our specific... We're being very specific. I must say I have a messenger bag, more like a leather school satchel type of thing. And I use that quite often at weekends when I've just got my leather jacket on or if I'm just in a polo shirt and I'm, I'm going up to the cigar club or something like that. And that's fine for those sorts of occasions. It suits the outfit. It's casual. And my polo shirt is going to be fine. But with a good wool suit, no. So if you want some suggestions of bags that we suggest for you as alternates to your backpack, put them away, gentlemen, put them away. Go to the magazine again. We've got a list of a couple of alternates for your work new bag. So uh, that's wrapping it up today, James. Excellent. That seems to have flown over. It does. We've given you a guide to the suits. We've ranted about bags and we've given you some gentlemanly news. Excellent. A great way to start the month. Not bad at all, is it? Well, uh, that's it from us. I hope you had a fantastic week and you have a fantastic week ahead. If you want to get in touch with us, please drop us an email at enquiries at theperfectgentleman.tv or contact us on social media, as quite a few of you do. We're always happy to hear from you. Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're our main methods of communication and we're always happy to hear from you and we will be looking forward to your comments. James, it's a pleasure as always. And you, my friend, have an excellent week. You too, sir. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by the Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.